This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director. And talking again, it seems like we uh, get a hold of you about every six months or yearly. Becky Rasmussen, Executive Director, to call to freedom. And the reason I called you uh, for this week, Becky, is I think last uh, Wednesday, was it? It was Human Trafficking Day? Yeah, National Human Trafficking Awareness Day, where we partnered with the Department of Homeland Security, where you wear blue, and also the End It campaign, where you the big, where the red axe, and really it was a day to raise awareness um, towards the issue of human trafficking. And one of the things that we like to do that every year and join the rest of the nation um, in, you know, showing awareness towards this because we want to break the silence over something that likes to stay hidden, and that's human trafficking. Every 30 seconds, just during while you were talking, somebody's been uh, grabbed for uh, uh, human trafficking. We always go back to the movie Taken. Yeah. You know, before that, we called it prostitution rings or other things, but human trafficking is kind of in uh, the last decade, isn't it? Yeah, so human trafficking has been happening for years, uh, many, many years. It was only put into federal statute and defined in early 2000s. And so it's something that people are learning about. What does it look like? How is it facilitated? And um, it's one of those things where I keep telling people, get educated. You would be surprised. Um, the movie Taken was great, but it isn't always the way that it's facilitated and typically isn't facilitated in that way. Um, so we just, it's very, very important for the community, parents to get educated, um, individuals to get educated, because these individuals who victimize that are what we call traffickers are very good at what they do. And they usually pull in their victims and they don't even know they're in a trafficking situation until they run into somebody who's been trained and help them identify. Bigger business now than cocaine. You know, it's the second largest uh, legal activity in the world. I would probably um, beg to um, differ in that, but we don't have really good stats. You know, the stats are that less than 3% of victims are ever identified. And so if we really had a true um, view of how many stats of individuals are being victimized, I think we'd be surprised. Those numbers would probably be a lot larger. Average age, 14. Yeah, 11 to 14. Um, What we're seeing is... Uh, it being younger and younger um, in this cycle of human trafficking, you not only have a victim, but you have a person who is purchasing and you have somebody who is facilitating the business. And so whatever that purchaser wants is what that person, business person is going to go out and recruit. So um, it doesn't have one demographic and it just seems like the ages are getting younger all the time. Well, I think the uh, UN, the International Labor Organization, estimates 40 million globally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're talking about uh, everything. You know, a lot of a lot of people there. Average age of uh, if they get inducted, age 14, lifespan average is what seven years. Yeah, yeah. There's a stat out there: the life expectancy is seven years. I think the key here too is when we talk about the number of victims that are identified. Um, hopefully. They once they are identified, they become survivors. But if they don't, I mean, there's a large percentage, 97% that never leave those circumstances. And so, um, and there's a variety of reasons why uh, survivors don't leave. Number one is they don't have the resources. Um, Traffickers typically control every need, basic needs, housing, identification. Um, And then also, too, you have where um, they don't even understand that they're being victimized for trafficking. So these traffickers are very good at manipulating and um, really working 
that relationship for them to think that they have made a choice when it's really human trafficking. Psychologically, they can they can escape, but they tend to go back again. Yeah, that trauma bond, we call that a trauma bond, is very real. Um, but, I mean, think about this. If you were a person who was vulnerable and this person controlled your identification, controlled what you ate, controlled where you lived, controlled how you dressed, um, how would... And then all of a sudden you had this freedom to make these decisions and you don't know how because somebody else was making them all for you. It's really hard to leave once somebody is in that trafficking situation because of that manipulation, um, force fraud, and coercion. Becky Rasmussen, Executive Director of Call to Freedom in Sioux Falls. Uh, Human trafficking, we're talking. It's Human Trafficking Month also, the month of January. And you've got uh, something coming up with the South Dakota legislature. You're going to have a pre- presentation coming up in the next week or so. Yeah, we are going to, um, we actually are flying in two survivors. And then we have a local survivor, uh, Rebecca Carey, who's been on your show as mm-hmm. well. Um, Mary, who's been on your show as well, John. And then Nathan Earl um, as well. So this is a panel of survivors who are sharing they're not only life's experience, but also their insight um, and what trafficking looks like and what people need to do to combat it. And one of the things that we keep hearing from people is like, we want to hear more from survivors. We want to understand this. We want to be able to ask questions. And so we're flying in uh, Nathan and, and Rebecca for a couple of days to be able to do some trainings with uh, service providers here, but also to go to peer and spend a couple hours with our legislators for them to learn and understand this issue better. And to also meet some of the professionals that are um, now in place to, to combat human trafficking or have been in place. So um, there's two new coordinators that have been hired through the attorney general's office. One is a human trafficking coordinator and the other is a missing and murdered indigenous coordinator that um, obviously both of those cross over into human trafficking. And so they are going to be there as well. Um, legislators, July 1st of last year, governor signed off, um, allocated appropriation dollars to these positions to be able to do this work and to advance that um, protection of, of victims across the state. Human trafficking, <clears throat> you know, Becky, I'm so old. I remember uh, an advertising study um, way back in the 50s by Pepsi-Cola. They said if we have them drinking Pepsi uh, at 14, we've got them for life. And that was the, their advertising was, was based on that. They said, well, if we got them hooked by 14, we've got them hooked for life. It's because your, your, wire, your brain gets kind of hardwired at that age and habits that maybe you developed. You know, these kids that are, that are um, kidnapped, uh, basically uh, 7 to 14 years old, that's the only way of life they know. Mm-hmm. They're brain essentially brainwashed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Mary, um, Becca have been on the show, and they're, and they're both survivors. And they say what's normal to us uh, as individuals in normal life is abnormal to a survivor. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, when you're ingrained in a, a way of life and told something over and over again, and forced to do things over and over again, um, you lose the skill set to be able to do what we call normal. And that's to find housing, to get a job, to deal with trauma. Um, You know, when a survivor of trafficking comes out or a victim of trafficking comes out on their way to a survivor, they have so many complex needs that it's really hard to just do normal life. Um, They struggle with a lot of times 
uh, survivor victims are introduced to drugs within their victimization, a way of controlling them. So they come out and they have to deal with addiction and they not only have addiction, but they have mental health and imagine being controlled and the trauma that you have to do. And, and now we say, okay, go into normal life, get a job and get a place to live. And that's just not a reality for those that have suffered from complex trauma. They were taken care of. Yeah. They're basic traffickers are really smart. Honestly, they, they meet their basic needs and they say, I'm providing you with safety. And And if those things aren't met, a lot of times survivors won't leave those situations because they're so afraid that those two things aren't going to be met and they're going to be left out alone and, and re-victimized. Well, they, they become alone where they felt loved before in a, in a, a sixth sense. You know, but that's that's the thing is that uh, the you know you see it even on the movies. You say, well, we love you know, I love you. You know, but they say it to every girl. You know, yeah, uh, and not just girls, but guys. Yeah, yeah, and all ages. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we are bringing Nathan Earl, who was a survivor of domestic sex violence, and he shares and travels all over the United States. Um, teaching and educating on what does victimization look for males, not only females. I think the latest we've seen with um, what we call sextortion and exploitation online through social media is the target has been boys. They Traffickers are business people. They're going to go where they're not found and where the demand is. And so if there's a demand for boys and we're not talking about boys being victimizing in the circle of human trafficking, then they're going to go to where we're not talking or paying attention. And so we've seen this escalated victimization of young boys, especially through the internet, um, through social media, sextortion, blackmail, um, that eventually leads to them going to their uh, perpetrator because they're afraid they're going to get disclosed. They get a picture. It ends up on pornography. Um, this person perceives to be somebody who loves them, maybe is using a girl's picture, uh, romantically engaging these young boys. Um, and it's not that scenario at all. They're lying and manipulating. And once they get those pictures, they are telling them either you give us more pictures or um, I'm going to um, tell your family or exploit you out onto social media. And if they don't adhere, um, they'll blackmail them over and over again. Not just blackmail, they threaten their family. Oh, yeah, they've threatened their family, too. We'll expose your entire family. We'll send this to your family. I mean, human trafficking is exploitation of sex and labor and using force, fraud, and coercion to do that. And any, unless you're under the age of 18, state statute and federal statute is that if you're under the age of 18, force, fraud, and coercion does not need to be proven in these cases. So if you're under the 18, these cases of trafficking look much different than they do if you're over the age of 18. Well, every state's a border state now. Yeah. And we have an open border. Uh, they talk every day about human trafficking, the cartels. Uh, one of the survivors that uh, we had on the program with you previously, basically she outlived her handlers yes. and she was able to buy her way out. Well, it was like a business. She yeah. Was able to she, buy her way out. Yeah. Well, she didn't really buy her way out. She actually um, forced criminality. Mm-hmm. She was forced to do criminal activities and her victimization. And unfortunately, um, and fortunately and unfortunately, she ended up getting some charges because of it. And, 
um, couldn't reveal the story behind it because they were threatening her son. So that those are real. We also have forced criminality where we have a lot of the women and, and men in the system that were being trafficked, but were on the front lines facilitating some of maybe drug um, could be selling themselves. It could be um, using um, and they got charges in that process and they were never identified as trafficking victims. So there's lots of layers and lots of ways this is done. Um, the cartel is just one way that we see as far as organized fronts doing this. Um, you have gangs, you have family members here in South Dakota, what we call familial trafficking. We have three of the poorest counties in the United States located here in the U.S. in South Dakota. Yeah, on a reservation. So you have a very vulnerable population with our uh, Indian country and Native American people. And, you know, you also have jurisdiction issues when you get that. I mean, if you think about Calder Freedom serves 48% of those that walk through the door of Calder Freedom are Native American. Native American population makes up 2% in the entire United States. That's a high victimization rate for a population, which means there's a lot of vulnerabilities. And so, we talk about the poverty level. We talk about 29 and 90 going through South Dakota. And then we also talk about um, jurisdiction issues. So if you're an organized front and you know that you can go on state stateside and you can go to the Indian reservation and the jurisdiction as far as law enforcement is different, it's hard to prove. And, and working together is usually a challenge as well. Well, they know the system. Yes. Uh, I can't pretend to understand or realize I can I can read about it I can talk about it I can listen about it but uh, there's no way I could really you know put my way in those shoes unless it, it was to uh, happen to me but there's people listening that say well it's not going to happen to me but it could to someone in their family um, down the line uh, what we can do is educate communicate and you know try to do what we can, Becky Rasmussen, Executive Director of Call to Freedom, uh, you had a self-defense class yesterday at the Union Gospel Mission on the 14th. Yep. So we had a self-defense class on Saturday, January 14th, and it's, it was from 3 to 5. And really what we want to do is equip those that might be in vulnerable situations to learn a few self-defense moves um, in order to protect themselves if they're ever in one of those situations. Information Luncheon is coming up on the 19th. Uh, like I say, this is Human Trafficking Month. Fighting human trafficking in our community starts with one simple, you know, that's your opening line there. Is that open to the public? Yes. Our monthly luncheons are actually now quarterly, but uh, they, we have one again on January 19th, which is a Thursday. We'll serve you lunch. You can do those either live and in person at the Empower Campus or you can actually go online and uh, attend via Zoom. We offer both options to individuals. And really that luncheon is about call to freedom, what trafficking looks like and how you can get involved in the fight. You know, when I started call to freedom, I, I felt uh, a leading that it was really an opportunity to unite a community behind a cause. And we are very passionate about uh, working with the community and finding volunteers and finding positions that volunteers can give back. So we have volunteers that uh, go and they serve and get grocery. They go grocery shopping for our ladies. So each week that the ladies can't afford to finish their grocery items, then um, we make sure that those lists get out and those needs are met through our community members and ambassadors and lots of different ways to get involved. Becky, something that's interesting, your website, at the bottom of every page on your website is a button that says, quickly exit site. Mm -hmm. 
Is that so that they can escape the screen in case somebody would see them looking at this? That's exactly it. So it's a button where if somebody who is being victimized, who wants to know, can Calder Freedom really help me? Um, They're looking at the website. And if somebody comes over their shoulder and they need to make sure that they're not known, that they're researching that, that they can escape quickly. And so it's a a safety button as well so that um, individuals who are looking to get out are not um, disclosed. Well, more than maybe we can help do something about this. Human Trafficking Awareness Training for College Students is coming up on the 24th of January. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we have learned is the more we educate individuals within different services or different communities, and we do presentations specially designed for those communities or those service providers, um, the more we can educate, collaborate, and also allow them to understand and, and maybe even Um, intervene on some trafficking cases and come alongside other service providers as well and equip them to be able to know the warning signs. Um, What do you do if you uh, encounter somebody who's a trafficking victim? Um, And then also a lot of times, even with first responders, even though we're doing college students, you know, they need to know online safety. They need to know who they're talking to. They're still very vulnerable because um, young people's minds are not developed or maybe haven't lived life like you and I, John, (laughs) and maybe don't have that wisdom to be able to discern a healthy relationship or somebody who has good intentions. And so we really want to equip our college students and those that are working in those facilities to better identify and and understand trafficking. They're a targeted group. Now, you have a, a meeting called Hidden in Plain Sight. Now, this is by invitation only, but tell us what that's about. So again, as we talked about that legislation session, one of the things that we heard from those in the community is they want to hear more from survivors. They want to have a better understanding of how human trafficking was facilitated. And they want to hear it directly from those who have been um, impacted by it or has lived through it. And so we are flying in again, Becca, Carrie, and Nathan and Mary, and they will sit on a panel. This is Tuesday, January 24th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. And it will be at the State Theater, Sioux Falls State Theater, And this is a free event to the community. Um, We are finding funding for that so that we can educate our community, allow them to have a better understanding. So you'll hear firsthand from three survivors who have lived through this and different victimizations from cartel to uh, parents to uh, individuals that were trafficked by boyfriends. And so... Uh, lots of different ways that this is facilitated. So this is an opportunity to hear from panel survivors, and then we'll have a few experts there. We're still working on that panel, but right now it's the two coordinators that we talked about earlier that will be there as well. And they can call you for more information, but uh, going on, you know, the uh, the classes that you have here is, is quite interesting. You have a human trafficking awareness training for businesses like hair salons and bankers uh, on February 21st. Yeah, money laundering. For bankers, is huge. Um, you know, one of the survivors told me, don't mess with their money. <laughs> that makes it dangerous. Um, but we want to equip banks to understand if there's some uh, unusual activity that's happening within your systems or somebody comes in and, you know, some potential warning sites to better identify trafficking victims in both of those avenues. And then the others is also hair salons. One of the ways that traffickers groom their victims is by nails and hair. Mm-hmm. And so looking, is somebody accompanying that person? Do they not have control of their own money or their identification? Or do they seem like they're in a highly uh, guarded situation where this person is 
uh, over their every move. Um, just some things for hairstylists to look for so that they can report those things when they're happening. It gets more interesting. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to touch their money. You don't. Follow, they say follow the money, but that's where it gets really dangerous. Uh, parents, you have a session on February 7th. You got one on March 7th and April 11th uh, for guardians, family members, and parents. Now, people in the audience, you know, if they think about, you know, I, I have a daughter or I have a son, um, you know, if they're going to college, or uh, it's good to know what you need to know. Yeah, you know, these these parent connection classes is something we're very passionate about. If you look on our website, calledafreedom.org, we are doing these 12 months a year. And we are doing one a month. It's a series of three different sessions. And each of these sessions, really what we are doing is um, allowing our youth, um, our parents to be able to be involved with their youth in, in healthy ways. So social media. So what are, what can you look for on social media? Um, what happens? What are the red flags when trafficking, what are the warning signs? And then session number three is actually created by survivors. And it's a grandmother and a survivor who do that session number three. And they talk directly to parents because usually what happens is parents that are seeing some unusual activity with their kids, they will come to these sessions to learn more, to better understand, am I being crazy or am I seeing, is my gut telling me the right thing? And so session number three is survivors talking about how to navigate your kids out of those situations. And so um, we have, uh, we're launching a book as well. At the end of this month, end of January, we will have a parent guide book that really uh, was the catalyst to this parent connections classes and goes hand in hand with those classes. So once we get this parent guide was actually written by uh, the grandmother of the first survivor to ever walk through the doors of Call to Freedom. It's and not- that woman um, actually followed me to three speaking engagements and her daughter had been um, uh, a victim in one of the trafficking rings here in South Dakota. And she had no idea what was happening to her granddaughter. And on the third session, the mom and the granddaughter walked up to me, um, the grandmother and the mom walked up to me and said, this is our daughter. We don't know what to do. And we began to navigate life with not only that, individual who's victimized, but also the parents and the family members. It's a lot of trauma happens, not only to the individual that's being trafficked, but also the family that's with that individual. And it's a, it's a lot to navigate and it's hard to understand. So seeking help. And so this book was really, um, created, designed um, so that we can get it in the hands of parents or anybody who's struggling with a loved one that might be in these situations or they're speculating to be. It's not uncommon for a teenage girl to like run away, <clears throat> but then you would think, is it, is it just going to be, you know, run away and come back tomorrow morning or did something happen? And, uh, you know, these classes I think are very important. You got human trafficking awareness training for landlords coming up on April 18th and you have human trafficking awareness training for shelters and homeless services on March 21st. Uh, it's happening in our community. I mean, you've got a class for landlords. Uh, most more people are renting nowadays, but what should you look for? Um, as a landlord, um, really what we, we had some unusual activity where a maintenance man went to a uh, apartment unit and he tried to open the door and there was a refrigerator against the door. Mm-hmm. And he said, what's going on? And he knew there was a young girl in that door. And he had saw the family member coming in and out and he didn't. He said, maybe this is trafficking, maybe this is something different. 
Uh, he called us. We helped him navigate those next steps with law enforcement. Um, you don't know what's happening within <laughs> these circles because familial trafficking is relational. It's a parent, mom, or aunt and uncle. So if you're uh, somebody who's a landlord, what do you look for um, for potential trafficking red flags? That's what this class will do. And the other is is people who are renting out. So we used to talk about trafficking being facilitated through hotels. And that does happen, but that money laundering piece, if you're using a credit card, it's pretty easy to track you down in those situations. So they've gotten smart. They go to Airbnbs. They go to different places. And so traffickers, you know, are you seeing unusual activity? Are they paying in cash? There's there's certain things that you'll learn in these classes. If you've ever run into something where your gut as a landlord or as a service provider, you're like, something just doesn't seem right here, but I can't put my finger on it. Um, it could be something else or it could be human trafficking. So the best thing I say to you is get educated. Come learn about what this looks like so that you can better discern in those situations what to do. I think we've got a pretty good uh, police department in Sioux Falls. They, they, they've been trained on this, I think. Uh, uh, but yet, what are the signs? That you, the Department of Homeland Security has a list of signs that recognize human trafficking. Uh, what, how can you describe those? Yeah, you know, it really depends on the trafficking ring. Um, some very common ones, and and, the, and traffickers have really gotten away from this, is tattoos and markings that um, claim them as their personal um, property. Um, we've seen that before. Um, they don't have possession of their items, especially identification, access to food, money, their own bank account, uh, because traffickers love to control their every move. Maybe it's somebody younger traveling with somebody who's older and they won't make eye contact with you. They're fearful. Um, they may not be have the ability to talk to you or freely interact with you. Uh, those controlled environments are usually red flags for something more. And so um, go to calltofreedom.org under warning signs and you can see a whole list there from Department of Homeland Security. Anytime there's a large group like Sturgis, you know, state fairs, that type of thing, uh, keep an eye on your daughter when you're, when you're going to a concert even. Uh, yeah. that's, that's one place that they kind of target, don't they? Yeah. I, you know, I, I always feel like I'm the person that creates fear in everybody, but I also want to create awareness. I think awareness is key. Um, when we talk about large events, we talk about Sturgis, we talk about hunting season. Um, we're talking about where there's large groups of people and anywhere you have large groups of people, you have this ability to to facilitate illegal activity because you have you have buyers there, you have people that are willing to engage, and so um, what I say is when they're traveling, it, both of those events. If you talk about hunting season, you talk about Sturgis, they're traveling through our communities, so it's really important because ninety and twenty nine are going through all of our lovely rural communities. It's important for our rural communities to get educated on this because. Um, typically this is transit trafficking where they're going from place to place or transporting those victims from place to place. And they love rural communities because we don't pay attention a lot. Um, they might go to a ER or med or emergency department in a rural community because they're probably not as equipped or they have as many people that have been trained on this. So I think it's get educated because it could be coming through our communities. It could be next door um, and it could be going to any of those events that we talked about. We're on the crossroads of two major interstates. We're kind of halfway between Minneapolis and Denver. We're a main distribution center for about five states. Uh, are we seeing anything from the southern border uh, in our area? Uh, I know that uh, 
the governor of Oman says we're not going to accept any uh, migrants from there, you know, that type of thing. But uh, are we seeing anything coming up from the southern border because they are transporting them all over the country now? Um, I think every community that I this what our conversations have seen an increase in violence, has seen an increase in shootings, has seen an increase in, in gang activity. I think one of the things for people to understand is there's good people coming across the border that are just looking for safety in their life. And then you got some of these not so good guys that are coming across our border too. And when you don't monitor it at all, it's just kind of a free for all a little bit. So you're, you're going to see that increase and that ability to come across straight lines on that. So yeah, get educated on that too, but doesn't help our situation. Many of the cartels say, we'll get you across the border, but when you get over there, you owe us and here's your assignment. Uh, Becky Rasmussen, Executive Director of Call to Freedom. How can people get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. I, our best resource is our website, calltofreedom.org. If you want to volunteer, uh, if you want to give monetary, or you want to just um, see how, learn more about this and some of these training opportunities that we talked about, all of those are free to our community. And we want our community to get involved because um, it is needs to be a community that says no more breaks the silence over something that loves to stay hidden because it it really thrives in darkness. It thrives when nobody sees it. So the more we understand it, the more we get educated, the more we can report and combat this horrible issue. I know a lot of churches work with you. Uh, I wanted to talk more about that, but our time is up. But uh, again, your website is Call to Freedom. Just Google Call to Freedom. And yeah, calltofreedom.org. Comes- and at the bottom is an escape button. Uh, that's unique to call to freedom. I want to thank you for being with us, Becky Rappison, uh, on Forum. Thank you so much, John. This is also available on podcast on this station's website.